Welcome to another edition of Out of the Box Sunday School. I am your host, Takia Evans. Thanks for taking the time to listen in today. Our lesson is entitled, Wisdom, the Way, Truth, and Life. The Bible background is from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 17, chapter 8, verses 32 through 36, and John chapter 14, 1 through 14. The printed text focuses on John chapter 14, 1 through 14. It has been said that all roads lead to Rome. What may have been true about Rome is not true about God. Although some people would like to believe that God can be assessed by different means, the clear teaching of the Bible is that Jesus provides the only way to God. During his ministry, Jesus repeatedly prepared the disciples for his approaching suffering and death. Jesus tells the disciples that one of them would betray him. At that time, he also informs the disciples that he will be he will soon be leaving them and that they could not follow him. Undoubtedly, these things disturbed the disciples. When Peter asked Jesus where he was going, Jesus responds that Peter could not follow him now but will follow him afterward. It is not difficult to see why the disciples would have been troubled. They were coming to grips with the fact that the one they had given up everything to follow was now telling them that he was about to leave them to go to a place where they could not follow. It must have seemed as if they were losing the very reason for which they had existed for the past three years. In this week's lesson, Jesus teaches that he is the one and only way, truth and life. The wise person understands that it takes wisdom to follow Jesus who alone provides access to the Father in heaven. Jesus had told the disciples of his approaching suffering and departure. Now he aims to calm the turmoil that's raging in their hearts. I'll be starting with John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Jesus said to his disciples, Don't be worried. Have faith in God and have faith in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I wouldn't tell you this unless it was true. I am going there to prepare a place for each of you. After I have done this, I will come back and take you with me. Then we will be together. You know the way to where I am going. So Jesus tells the disciples not to be troubled in their hearts. Jesus emphasizes his truth by pointing to faith in him as the relief or antidote for worry or the anxiety that most of us feel. In the context of this passage, Jesus ushers in faith as a a comfort to relieve the anxious disciples, just like any parent who reassures a child who has had a bad dream. In this scenario, the disciples' concern was well-founded. Since they had just learned that one would betray Jesus, that one would deny him, and that they couldn't go with him wherever it was he was going. They were troubled and confused, and the situation was going to get worse before it even got better. And Jesus wanted his disciples to show the same faith in him that they had in God. But on what basis could Jesus make such a demand? He did it because he was God. Chapter 2 or verse two rather, is the reminder 
uh, of the disciples as well as our final reward. Our reward will not be to live in luxury either here or in the afterlife. So Jesus explained to his disciples that there are many mansions or dwelling places in his father's house, and he was going there ahead of them to get ready for them. The phrase to prepare a place refers to a specific location. Now, heaven is a real place and all believers will have a residence there in which we will dwell forever. And Jesus also assured his disciples that this was the truth. And he said, quote unquote, if it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus assured them that if things were any different than what he had told them, he would have given them the entire truth. Since he was about to tell them that he was the truth, anything he says will be true. We can rest, be rest assured that heaven is there for every believer. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that he was going away, that his going away was ultimately going to benefit them. He was going away to prepare a place for them and then come back and receive them to himself so that they could be with him again. Now, this isn't an impersonal second coming to which Jesus is referring to. He wouldn't be sending a butler, an angel, or anyone else to escort us to our heavenly home. He will come himself and receive us personally. And in verse four, Jesus is trying to tell or remind his disciples that they already know in their hearts where he is going and how to get there. He has been instructing them throughout his ministry. But much like most of us, the disciples were slow to learn. Many times Jesus had told them of his certain death, but they did not at that time understand what Jesus meant. And so now we come to uh, verse five and I'll read verse five through 11. Thomas said, Lord, we don't even know where you are going. How can we know the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus answered. Without me, no one can go to the Father. If you had really known me, you would have known the Father. But from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, that is all we need. Jesus replied, Philip, I have been with you for a long time. Don't you know who I am? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. How can you ask me to show you the Father? Didn't you believe that I am one with the Father and that the Father is one with me? What I say isn't said on my own. The Father who lives in me does these things. Have faith in me when I say that the Father is one with me and that I am one with the Father. Or else have faith in me simply because of the things I do. So at this point, our dear friend Thomas interrupted, claiming ignorance. Thomas asked about what Jesus told them that they had already knew. Apparently, speaking for the group, Thomas was voicing the confusion that existed in all their minds. In essence, he was saying that they didn't know where Jesus was going, nor did they know how to follow him to wherever he was going. Perhaps Thomas's response is an illustration of our own level of spiritual awareness. So in reality, knowing more than we think we do and being less in the dark than we believe we are at times, 
So Jesus' disciples expected Jesus to establish his kingdom right here on earth. They had been sent out to preach that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Now that Jesus was going away, they didn't know what to expect next. Jesus didn't rebuke Thomas for his lack of understanding, but instead made a straightforward statement about how to get to heaven. Jesus' statement revealed that he was not talking about going to another place on earth. Instead, he was going to his heavenly father and the place where he dwelt. Jesus revealed four truths about himself in verse six. The first, the first one, Jesus said, I am the way. In other words, he was the only way to get to the father and to where he was, which is in heaven. There is no other way or avenue for people to get to heaven. One must go through Jesus, who is the way. So this exclusive teaching was cut, has caused you know, some criticism among those who want to believe otherwise. Second, Jesus said, I am the truth. As God is in the flesh, Jesus can be none other than truth. He speak words the father gave him to speak and no one knew him, even heard him lie. So Jesus told the truth because he was and is God and God cannot lie. Refer back to Numbers chapter three, verse 19 and Hebrews chapter six, verse 18. Third, Jesus said, I am the life. Since Jesus has life in himself, he also gives life to whom he wills. The truth that is there is new life and Jesus can be testified to over and over again by experience and observation. We can look at others and marvel at the change Jesus has made in them since they received Jesus Christ into their lives. We can even see it in our own lives. Fourth, Jesus said, no man cometh unto the father, but by me. The Lord told it like it was and is. There is no other way to heaven than by faith in him. Therefore, there is no room for alternative religions. Not all roads lead to Rome, nor do all faiths lead to heaven. It is right and proper for Christians to evangelize those who are not of the Christian faith for there is simply no other way. If there was another way, Jesus would have had to die, would not have had to die. If there was another way, he would not have told us to be his witnesses in all the world. If there was some other way, Jesus would then be a way and not the way and would also not be the truth. Continuing his response to Thomas, Jesus's words are not to not so subtle. Um, sorry, continuing his response to Thomas, Jesus's words are not a so subtle rebuke of the of the disciples for their lack of awareness or just who he has been with them for so long. Regardless of the disciples' short-sightedness, Jesus patiently continues to explain that in seeing and knowing him, they had already seen and known the Father. In this mild rebuke, Jesus was saying that by now, the disciples should know him well enough to know the Father also. And from this point on, Jesus said not only would they know God, but they would also see him through Jesus. He was saying that he and the father are the same. 
The fact that the disciples were still lacking in their understanding of Jesus and his father is blatantly evident in the next request they made to Jesus. That's in verse eight. So here in verse eight, Philip was still not satisfied with what Jesus had already said. Philip wanted a sign. And one cannot help but emphasize, uh, empathize with Philip since he sounds like so many of us today. We need a sign. We need to know now. I am sure that someone has said, if I could just see God once, that would settle it for me. Or if I just, or if just once I could witness a real miracle, then I'd become a believer. And some may even say, why can't God just show his face for one split second? So just like Philip, modern skeptics ignore what is right there in front of them. In Philip's case, it was it was the living Jesus, God in the flesh, worker of miracles, forgiver of sins, standing before him and talking to him. Jesus' response to Philip is both understandable and appropriate. Jesus' frustration is showing uh, as he asks Philip a series of questions, quoting his own question back to him. And Jesus stresses his unity with the Father once again. Although Jesus' conversation is in response to questions from Thomas and Philip, we got to realize that all the other disciples are present and Jesus is addressing all of them in his typical teaching fashion. So what was stated in a question in verse 10 is now affirmed indicatively. There shall be no more disbelief. Jesus is in fact the father and the father in him. It is no wonder that the early church struggled with and continues to struggle with the essence of Jesus's word. One can hardly imagine how he could have communicated his deity any more clearly than he did. So just imagine how hard it was for the disciples to grasp that Jesus was a deity. There were many struggles about Jesus' divinity and humanity through the fifth century. And even today, there are still people who have no problem with Jesus' humanity, but they struggle greatly with his divinity. And likewise, some accept his divinity, but diminish his humanity. Now we get to our latter part of our lesson from verses 12 through 14. I tell you for certain that if you have faith in me, you will do the same things I am doing. You will do even greater things than I am now going back to the Father. Ask me and I will do whatever you ask. This way the Son will bring honor to the Father. I will do whatever you ask me to do. At this point, Jesus kind of moves on to a different subject. One of many we would address, one of many he would address on that auspicious night. So Jesus assured his disciples that anyone who believes in him will do the work that he did. And in fact, they would do even greater works than Jesus did because he was soon going to his father. But how can we do greater work than Jesus did since he is God? So that's a really great question. So if we look at it, Jesus' personal ministry was limited to the land of Palestine. On the other hand, his followers would minister to many nations of the world. They would reach out and teach many people and be instrumental in establishing churches that reach even further into local communities. Kind of sounds familiar. So Jesus spent time and effort trying uh, training the disciples, 
just like our preachers and teachers do, who then branched out to reach many others. This is what we should do after being taught by our own pastors and teachers. Jesus was soon going to his father and he would send the Holy Spirit to enable his servants in their ministries. Jesus also left his servants with the privilege of prayer. Jesus assured his disciples that he would do anything they requested in his name, meaning according to his will. This statement as well as the one in the next verse. So here I'm looking at verses 13 and 14. Um, give one the impression that we can ask for and receive anything we desire. Looking at Jesus' statement this way has caused many to be disillusioned when they don't get the answer they wanted. And I'm going to say that again, looking at Jesus' statements this way, some of us get a little crossed up when things don't get answered the way we think we want them to be answered. But when Jesus responds to our prayers that are in his will, his answers will bring glory to the Father through the Son. It is only when our hearts are surrendered, when we are living in and for God. Prayers are for his purposes, in his name, and for his glory that he will answer even beyond all we ask or think. So in that final verse, Jesus basically repeated what he said about prayer in the previous verse. This kind of repetitive reassurance is the type one gives a loved one who needs comfort. We tend to say things more than once when we want someone to believe us, especially if there is a future separation. Here he said, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Praying in the name of Jesus was not meant to be some sort of magical formula. It means when our hearts become one like that of the disciples, when our faith is sure and steady, when our will is surrendered to Christ, and when our purpose is completely for God's glory, most certainly we too can believe the disciples, like the disciples, that our prayers will be answered. Some people say there are many ways to salvation and that everyone attains it by following his or her or her, or her own way. So what are we to make of such claims? We live in a society where many consider it arrogant to claim that there is only one way to the truth. As Christians, we can boldly claim that our way, our truth, our life is not a principle, a place, or pursuit, but a person, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus invites us to seek him for wisdom and guidance. We cannot get to God, but God has come to us. Our God loved us enough to come to us in the flesh. It is a privilege and a responsibility to represent Jesus. We should encourage one another to work and pray in Jesus' name, or more specifically, according to his will. I ask you, take time this week to pray, read and seek God for his wisdom concerning your day or about more important decisions. He is faithful to give wisdom if we position our hearts to obey his directions. This is Takiya Evans. Be blessed, take care of one another, and thanks for tuning in to Out of the Box Sunday School, and I will be talking to you next week.